0: Welcome to episode 42 of the Hoop Threads podcast here with Cardell Dudley Jr. of The Finest Magazine. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. Fantastic. All right. Well, you know, big fan of your platform. Uh, big fan of, uh, you know, the the stuff that you put on on social media. Uh, a lot of OG uh, type con- content and just a lot of, you know, positive mindset and, and stuff like that. So I really appreciate uh, everything you put out there for for the people. So let's talk to uh, let's take it back to the beginning. You know, um, talk about where your love for basketball started, and um, you know how you got involved in, in in the stuff that you're doing now.
1: Well, I started playing basketball when I was nine. Um, I was living in Southern Avenue, uh, Prince George's County, which is Temple Hills, Maryland. Uh, it was a bad area at the time, uh, kind of the murder capital of times. And uh, you know, I. We got introduced to basketball, but it wasn't a lot of structure, you know, at the rec center. It was called Hillcrest Heights uh Rec Center. Mm-hmm. Um, we would just go down there and mess around. It was just more so like a safe haven to keep us off the streets, you know what I mean? But when uh, my mom moved us out to Fort Washington, uh you know, it was more structured. All my friends were playing Boys and Girls Club, which I had never heard of, and they we would play, you know, pick a ball and all that, and they would say, no, You need to come play with us. And I'm like, I never even heard of it. I don't know what it's about. So they talked to me, in my, well, their parents talked to my parents. And, you know, my father signed me up and I started playing for the Allentown Boys and Girls Club. Um, and uh, my first coach was uh, uh, Ron Westbrook, who was the father of um, Brian and Byron Westbrook, you know, that went to the math and play for the Eagles and Redskins. Uh, I played with Byron all throughout Boys and Girls Club. So, you know, basically till we got to high school. So um, that was my... Foundation as far as basketball is concerned, to uh, learn the game, get pushed, get coached, get taught,
0: get your discipline, and um, that's where it all started. Gotcha, gotcha. Talk about your playing career. Uh, you know, you know. Tell me about that. I know that you uh, ended up playing at the JUCO level quite a bit.
1: Well, I didn't play high school. Um, ninth grade, to be real, wasn't ready physically or when not mentally. Um, tenth grade, personal issues. I didn't really have the best. What you want to call it, family environment. So I didn't have grades that year, um, but I got hooked on to uh, AAU this the this summer following my sophomore year by accident. Um, my father played in the post office league where he worked at, and that's where a lot of standout DCI and inner high guys will play just to stay in shape. You know, to play back in the day, and uh, the Monday they needed a player, so you know, obviously my father was like come and play with us, and you know I did well. Um, Think about it, 25 in that game and then one of the uh guys I was playing against was like yo who do you play for you gotta be playing for high school or something like that and I was like I don't play for nobody he said hold on so he literally went in the office called with uh called a coach that coach A U and said I got a kid here he need to play and it was like well we about to have practice bring him on now let's see what he can do so he came out so my father my father, like, you feel up to it, like, yeah, I'll go. You know, because it's not like now with AAU where everybody plays AAU. Yeah. When I was growing up, AAU was a very big deal. Um, uh, it doesn't matter if you was on the circuit, it was only a very there was very little teams in the area. Like if you was on AAU, that means you legit had a shot at college. And um, you know, that it it, it meant something. So I'm like, heck yeah, I'll go. I mean, this might be my only chance, especially with me not playing high school. How else they gonna see me? So I went. Uh, um, the coach was David Dawson. Uh, he coached the ball handlers. Uh, his son is uh, Darnell Dawson. that played at Roseville, played at Kentucky Southern Miss. So, you know, he follows my AAU coach, and that's where it all started. And, you know, kind of development on him on the AAU circuit, got interest from Jugo despite me not playing high school, had good grades, and they would see me do my thing. And that's when the interest goes. So I already knew off on top, and, um, you know, I had have to go that route or go prep school. But I didn't want to do another year, kind of like high school, when I want to get started with college, um, so I can get on with my life. Where
0: would you have Um, gone to high school if you did?
1: Like, if you you played high school ball? Well, I was at Friendly High School. Okay. So I would have played there.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, okay.
1: So then you ended up at at, uh, Southern Maryland, right? No, I went to Allegheny first. Um, Then, uh, like I said, family issue, personal issue, having where I had to transfer, and back then, the rules change where if you transfer within a conference that pretty much eliminates you from division one consideration, mm-hmm. which hurt, but I had to do what I had to do. Um, uh, so I transferred, obviously I had to sit out a year, uh, make sure my credits and grades were on point. So that when I did come back in Southern Maryland, I would be ready to go and I'll be on track to graduate and be eligible. Uh, where you know, get to the highest level, which was division two, get a scholarship, which I ended up doing, I got one from Lincoln
0: and, uh, you know, just took it from there. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. And things didn't really work out at LinkedIn. Lincoln, you kind of moved on from there?
1: No, because during the season, got into a brawl. Uh, like I said, the temper thing, the fighting thing, which was on me, but that particular situation, I was just trying to look out for my teammate. And, uh, you know, it got out of hand and we got into a brawl and got in a fight. So I had scholarship offers then, but after that brawl, nothing, like it was nothing. So I had a reputation as a head case. So a lot of coaches were scared. So that was one of the, the, whatever you want to call it, contingency. Like, if I got a scholarship, no mess, no tolerance. And a guy gave me an elbow, and we got into it right then and then doing summer practice, and that was it. You know what I mean? So that was on me. I shouldn't have took took the
0: bait, but, you know, being young and immature, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does happen a lot more than people think. Um, so kind of talk about, you know, how you transitioned in, into, you know, the space, you know, how, you know, the, the Finest Magazine got started and, you know, the, the show that you do and all that.
1: Well, I got into media actually getting ready for overseas. Um, I got invited to a couple camps. Shout out to my Jugo coach. He, he got me in a couple camps and I pressed enough to earn a, earn a deal, a contract offer. Like I said, with Coca-Cola in the PBA, the Philippines. Okay. So I was about to go that route. And working out, playing pickup, uh, I got the best of somebody. He got mad. He dove into my knee, blew my entire knee out, tore everything but my ACL. Um, and my ACL was sprained. So the doctors were basically saying that was it. You know, we're going to try to get you back to functioning like a normal adult. But basketball, yeah, that's not going to be it. So yeah, for the first time in my life, I had to really understand that bass playing is over. And um uh, so through a mutual friend who's a great coach, rest in peace, Vivian Jordan, she's one of the, she's a friend of the family. She was one of the top coaches in uh, Kansas City. That's where my father's from. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was working past some of the basketball camp and Don Magazine was down there doing a special on Candace Parker at the time. So she walked up to him and asked, uh, do they have some internship? Cause she knew I was, you know, messed up because of the situation, depressed or whatnot, like anybody would be they They care that much about basketball. Yeah. And uh, you know, they said they were. And so she connected us and that's how I kind of got into the media game. They they put me through the fire and internship was, uh, you know, taught me how to write articles, different things in magazines, stories, different ways, features, um, got me credentials, going to certain NBA games, go, go to New York, go to the park. Um, They knew, I knew a lot of people here that I came up playing against that were killing in the Goodman league, Kenner league and stuff. So they were, that, that was kind of the period where the summer league scene got real hot, you know, to 09, 2010, 2011, during the lockout year. So they assigned me to do features on certain guys and whatnot. And, I, and I, you know, that's when I started writing for both Dime and Bounce magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my thing. You know, I pretty much covered the summer league here. They sent me on assignment down to the North Carolina program. And that was my first feature store in the magazine where it was sold all over the world. I had to go down there because the Wizards had just drafted John Walt, number one. So, the uh, Errol Reese was the commissioner of the North Carolina program. And that's basically where all the Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina State wait for us, all the Tobacco Road that in North Carolina Central, whoever's in North Carolina, South Carolina, that's where they play summer ball. It's a, it's a very historic summer league. So,
0: I went down there. That's for Kyle's uh, that's right. It, it was at North Carolina Central. No, I'm saying that's for college-level guys, though.
1: Like... Yeah, no pros came back. Okay. Pros, too. Yeah, NBA guys that played, they, they came, and top high school guys. That's where if you – I'm sure you saw the highlight, but that's the one with John John, John Wall jumped dumped on Stackhouse. Oh. He was fresh out of high school. That's the summer league. <laughs> that's it right there. So, it, the top high school guys, the definitely college guys, and NBA guys, they definitely come back there, that play down there. So, it was ultra-competitive, Um, you know, they they treated me well, was respect, did a whole feature story, stayed out there for a few days, and and I was like, I think I could do this. I, I like this, you know what I'm saying? So um that that has been my mission ever since. And um, I got into the MAG once new management came in and bought dime, and they kind of geared it towards entertainment, yeah, so to speak. And, and I, I want to stick with basketball, so um kind of separated. I, I wasn't I was thinking about maybe I should try to work as somebody like sports illustrated. To, do an article, you know, maybe look at the Washington Post, try to write for them, who knows. And But people kept coming up to me saying, man, can you do an article on this person, do the shine the light on this person, this coach and whatnot. So I was like, man, well, maybe I should just start my own thing. And that's kind of the formation of, you know, find this magazine right there. Just mm-hmm. keep it online. You know, I majored in graphic design in college, put that to use, design a magazine, you know, quarterly, and uh, put different stories in there. And you're doing everything for that thing, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fun to me. So it's not, you know, how, you know, the saying if it's not, it's not working, it's fun. So, you know, that's how I look at it.
0: Side note real quick. Why is John always dunk with his left hand if he shoots with his right? Well now, uh, <laughs> Oh, he not had so many
1: surgeries on, He <laughs> don't have so many surgeries on that. Um, his left knee, man. He, he just really? left handed now. Really? That's, that's the real reason. But uh, yeah, he, Back in the day he'd give it to you every which way possible. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter. But now, you know, the wear and tear and the surgeries, you know, on his you know, his left knee, it kinda it makes it tough.
0: Yeah, I got you. Talk about the the content that you're putting together, you know, written and you know, I have I've seen a bunch of your videos and, you know, some photos uh, that you take in at games. So talk about, you know, um, the niche that you're in and you know how you kind of stand out and you're different than you know other coverage that you know follows the game and and, you know at the high school college pro level
1: well I try to blend in all levels you know on the men's and women's side you know what I mean and as much as I'm passing information along I know I've been blessed with access to get information you see what I'm saying so um, my thing is being authentic and telling the truth at all times. You see what I'm saying? Because that's how the game was delivered to me. You know, like if my jumper was weak, coach like, you, you got to stay here at the practice, work on your jumper. It, it's just like, they were, you know, I grew up in a different time where, you know, it's not today. You know, the, the coaches didn't hold your hand and there wasn't no entitlement. Matter of fact, you couldn't even complain to your parents. Your parents would get mad at you. They were encouraged the coaches to be tough on you. Like, you're not being tough enough. I need you to be tough on them. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So, it's just getting being real and authentic. You know, the truth hurts, but you respect the truth over time, and that's my whole thing. And we live in a world now where it's kind of pacified, and a lot of people are scared to say the truth and, and put it out there. And my intention is not to hurt anybody. It's just, it it is what it is. It's basketball. There's no such thing as a perfect player or coach or anything. That's why you gotta always keep working at it. It's a, it, it, it's it's tough to maintain success at basketball if you're not consistently working at it. And, um, and the only way you can get good at it is be honest and be real with yourself. You know what I mean? So um, that's just my approach to it. People respond to it. Some people don't like it. I don't care. I got to be able to, you know, look in the mirror and sleep at night. And I'm not going to be faking it for nobody, man. You know what I mean? So, yeah, if a player tells me one thing off wax or whatnot, if he gives, he or she gets permission to speak on it, mm-hmm. tell it like it is. It's not it's nothing personal. That's our job. Our job is to relay information to fans and the public, and um, you know that's how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be objective, and I'm gonna maintain that.
0: Yeah, got you. Talk about the the Jim Couch Foundation game. You know how you got involved with that. You know how long you've you've been working in that, and you know that's a that's kind of a different you know style of content, at least from what I've seen. That's more of like a scouting edge as opposed to you know reporting, from from what I've seen of what of what you put out.
1: Well i know Sean for years because he used to be my boss at, at Bounce Magazine, which was the streetball version from Don. They were in the same family. So that's how I met him. Okay. Um, met, he brought me up to New York. You know, his family pretty much like the first family of New York basketball. Uh, his father, Jim Couch, uh, trained Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was a kid coming up all the way to UC until he got to the league. So pretty much every top New York player, including his son, came up under his wing at some point. You know what I mean? That's just... He's in the Hall of Fame, New York basketball Hall of Fame up there. Even Sean. Sean don't like to – he like to be modest. He like to just blend in. But uh, he put in work at Columbia. Uh, he's one of the greatest players. He was drafted in the third round, the '87 draft, uh, to the Pacers. The same year Reggie Miller came out. So, he came out playing with Kenny Smith, Mark Jackson, those guys. So, his pedigree is there as well. So, um, he knew I played. He knew I played the game and all that. And uh, once I came on the scene with Dime – and uh, he saw uh, my love for it and all that. Knowing all the guys here in the DMV, what not. Um, he just, you know, we just took a liking to one another. And we kind of clicked. And the scouting thing came about, honestly, accidentally. I was at the Jordan Classic. Um, I was studying some players. Mm-hmm. And a guy walked up on me. And he was saying, uh, he saw me studying uh, international players. And... Um, you know, he he started asking me questions where you from and all that. He said, and "I told him I'm from the DMV. And that was the year Markel, uh, BJ King, and a lot of those guys were in the Classic. So mm-hmm. he was just saying um, he was asking me questions about him, but he was asking me a lot of questions, like detailed <laughs> questions. And I'm like, well, yo, why I, I, media don't normally ask that many questions. Come yeah. to find out it's P Filo. He was the GM of the Timberwolves at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And I had
1: no idea. So he was like, yeah, you got eye for talent, man. I like how you break it down. You should scout. And I was like, yeah, NBA, that's a relationship thing. I don't really know nobody in the NBA to really get to that level, at least not yet, uh, to try to be that. He said, what well, do you do now? Handed me his card. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we kept in touch, and he grew me. He taught me how to scout. He literally, for two years. It's funny, I got that kind of the same time I got my first credential to cover the Wizards. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning how to scout, learning how the whole front office thing work learning how to evaluate players while I'm covering the team. So I'm actually putting it to use right then and there. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So for like two years, he pretty much took me to grad school on scouting while I'm covering, working, (laughs) full-time covering the team, putting it all together. Mm -hmm. And it it just opened my eyes up. It opened up everything. Like, I I just don't see basketball the same as I once did just from a playing aspect. Um, I understand kind of what the front office is doing and what they're thinking more so than the average person, because I was told by one. Mm. And, uh, you know, that was, that, that took it, that took it further. And so, with me scouting and, and like real scouting, I had to do live reports. He would get me in the games, events, do live reports. Uh, got to high school games, college games, like evaluate Portsmouth, go to Portsmouth, really getting graded on a lot of my, uh, you know, evaluations on players and I graded high. So meanwhile, Sean is watching all this. And so he said, man, look, and to keep in mind the Jim Couching is a family ran training showcase. So he asked me, Mike, man, man, would you like mind scouting the DMV to bring them up to New York and um come up there? And once he I didn't and I know Sean for years, I had no idea about the showcase. I, I didn't even know about the prestige of it. Yeah. So once he broke it down and showed me everything that was going on, I'm like, hold up. Like I think they started in 2012. You wouldn't believe the amount of NBA players that have came out of there, like, top-notch players that that have came out of there. So I'm like, oh, hell yeah, Nike sponsor, USA sponsor. I'm like, yeah, why not? And give these youngers here a different experience where Mm -hmm. otherwise they may not have gotten. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So, yeah, the kids, I get, you know, kids up there have been doing it for about four years. They get up there and they love it. You know what I'm saying? Go up there, play New York. Because, you know, New York is a different, <laughs> it's a different atmosphere, man. I love it, man. They kind of, they don't let you slap. You know what I mean? They'll call you out. Like, if I went up there and I had a name, but I was just going through the motions, the dude on the mic will let me know. He would be like, yo, Cardi, I heard a lot about you. You ain't showing me nothing. I need to see something. But he'll say that. Yeah. So it forces you to play. And then uh, the New York kids, they come at you. They they, they give you know, they know you from the DMV. They not trying to let y'all come up here and, and beat us in our hometown. Like, you know, it's pride on the line. So Hey, man, it, it gets fun. It gets competitive, and that's what it's for, man. But mainly it helps them get better. It helps them grow and puts them in a position to one day, you know, get to college and one day possibly be a pro. Like, I think the latest alumni to make the league was last year, Isaiah Stewart and Co Anthony. You know, mm-hmm. they came through there. So mm-hmm. they came through the program. So it speaks for itself.
0: I want to talk about the fact that it's the dumbest rule in basketball that they can only play in two, like, all-star games or, you know, you know, show out games and stuff like that. I don't I don't really understand the point of it. But um, talk about the the credential process. You know, that must have been, you know, a really big moment in your career. And, you know, we were talking a little bit before, you know, we started recording about, um, you know, the amount of time that you have to spend upkeeping that, <laughs> you know, making sure that you're invited back the next year. Uh, kind of talk about that process. Process is um, they
1: evaluate how much coverage you do. Uh, obviously your numbers. Um, which I hate because you could be doing a lot of numbers, but you're writing BS, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, it's part of the landscape now. Um, You know, it's a lot of things that go into the evaluation, but we put in work, we pay dues. You know, it it wasn't easy. You know, it went from, all right, you can come cover the pre-draft process. Then you can cover the pre-draft and then summer league. All right, we'll let you in pre-draft, summer league, training camp. Mm -hmm. Then, all right, we'll let you in – You know, pre-draft, summer league, training camp. And now you could do some preseason games. Then finally we got the credential. Like, they made us work. And I don't mind that. You know what I'm saying? That's my whole mentality. Fine. I'm earning it. So that way when we get it, you can't say, you know, we didn't deserve it. And Mm -hmm. to do that with being an independent minority-owned, independent outlet Mm -hmm. uh, it's tough. But we we managed to do it. We take it serious. We don't take it for granted. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get to see a lot of things and learn a lot of things that the average person don't do. You know what I mean? We, we really get to see why certain players are who they are, you know, why certain coaches are who they are, the work that goes into it. Uh, it it's a lot of pieces. That's why, I, you know, a lot of players in the area, I just tell them, if you really want to know how to work, get to the arena early before every game in your city. Just mm-hmm. get there like three hours early and just watch. You'll see a variety of players go through real workouts before the game play. And some of them may not even play. And they might not even get in the game. Mm-hmm. That tells you if they working that hard before they got to play, Let's say Dame Lillard. Those bombs you see Dame Little hitting, like he torched the Nuggets double the night with. I literally saw him working on that for years pre-game. One mm-hmm. dribble fillers, two dribble pullers come off the screen. Now it's just it's, it's like breathing for him. It's a regular jumper. You know what I mean? So if you really want to see how to work and how to get better, watch them, learn, apply it, and, and and watch, not necessarily do what they do. Like obviously, not many high school players will even be allowed to shoot from half court like Dame. But apply the things that's necessary to your game that what your coach is asking for you for at the high school and college level, then expand on that. You know what i mean? saying? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a lot of moving parts that go to it and you get the experience then and see that. And you understand why the
0: NBA is what it is and why those players are, are who they are. Yeah, I think, you know, as a as a youth coach, I think, you know, the, the players see the step back. And they get all hype about, you know, the actual step back and, you know, fading and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yo, look at the footwork. I mean, if you're creating the type of separation they create and, you know, you shoot a high percentage from a set shot, I'm fine with you taking step backs. But, I mean, if you're not creating this type of separation and you can't, you know, get it off with, you know, the the correct form, then then I don't really want you shooting that. Um, Talk about... Uh, You know, that moment, you know, getting credentialed, I'm sure was a really big moment. Kind of, you know, what what was the moment where, you know, you felt like you made it or, you know, you felt, you know, comfortable or you felt, you know, really confident in, you know, your your place kind of within the field?
1: It was before that uh, covering GW. I covered them for years and I got a, to me, the biggest honor you can get. And I got invited to the White House to meet Obama. Um, It was a, (laughs) It was actually funny because uh the prime minister from Japan, um, Prime Minister Abe, I guess he he said some things that, you know, ruffled some feathers politically for America. So they invited him over. And at the time, Utah Watanabe, who plays for the Toronto Raptors right now, he was uh almost, I, I think a sophomore then. So he was like the only Japanese D one basketball player at the time. Rui was on his way to Gonzaga, he wasn't there yet. So it was a big deal. So he came there and um, at the time, loan again, a uh, couple of coaches in Utah, uh, you know, prime minister, you know, obviously they had them come there during the ceremony to meet the prime minister from Japan or whatnot. And GW selected a select amount of media to come who they felt, I guess, was putting in work. And I got the call and uh, I was like, I want to go, but this is kind of out my league, man. I'm like, look at this band. <laughs> so I was thinking of every reason not to go. My wife stepped in. She's like, oh, no, you're going. Like, you cannot turn down, not go to the White House. I'm like, I'm trying to think of every reason, man. You know, I'm not even feeling good. Like, this, this it's different when you know it's an opportunity. And I'm glad she did. She, she pushed me yeah. out the door, made me go. So I went, you know. And a half security check, obviously. I uh-huh. mean, <laughs> they, they throw with that. But when we got there, man, it, it, it was the best experience. Like, I actually got to meet him. Mm. Uh, he's cool, as you would imagine, which you've seen on TV. Uh he did a, you know, oh, it was funny because he did a double glance when he shook my hand because I know I don't look like the typical reporter.
0: Yeah.
1: And he could tell, you know, basketball bills. So he was usually, he said 20 and 10. And I picked <laughs> it up. I was like, did he just say he, he bust? And I had and, he, and I was thinking about it, and I looked at him, he turned back around and just smiled. I was like, oh, wow. Like, he, he really he really went there. It, it, and, and, but that's Obama. If you've seen his interviews, you know he's witty like that. He'll, he'll catch you
0: guard. So I was about to ask if he dapped you up, or did he give you the proper, <laughs> you know, answer? He did at
1: first, and then, you know, it was just natural, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was natural. Then we dapped up, but yeah. it was just a cool experience, man, Seeing just seeing the White House for real, not the tour that they give you. Yeah. You know, as a family, when I just did that whole experience, that let me know, all right, I'm a to man. man. If, if my work can get me invited to the White House, you know, everything else coming second after this, you know, just being
0: real. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's – I, I want to switch gears to, you know, I – I need to get better at it this next year, just staying out of Twitter arguments, <laughs> especially with people that I don't know and whose opinion I probably shouldn't care about. Um, I, I got I got time. <laughs> Let me just put it put it that way. So there was one recently, um uh Rob Doster, unfortunately. I feel like he felt like I was breathing down his neck. Uh Goodman, Jeff Goodman, and uh Charlton Young uh put together this panel. Um to talk about, yeah, they brought on two people from a search firm. Did you see this at, at all? And I haven't seen it. Okay, so he brought on two people from a search panel, and uh, I think it was Cy that brought up. Uh, let's talk about. No, it was. Um, there was a journalist on the call. I can't remember who it was, but they brought a journalist on the call, and he said, um, "You know, a lot of HBCU coaches are next level. You know, they're they're really good coaches, but you don't hear their names tossed around in these jobs." um you know despite you know having you know great success um you know norfolk state I, i'm blanking on his name right now but their coach has been great um uh, lavelle Moton um uh, obviously is is in my opinion one of the best coaches in the game um and he's been consistent and you know involved with team usa and stuff and um they addressed that on the call he was like you know what why aren't they you know part of it and i really didn't like the answer the search firm they basically said that you know they don't go out of their way to meet us you know they're not reaching out to us um you know they're basically was saying that they're not doing a great job of networking which i think is some bullshit personally i thought it was a really lazy excuse and you know i said as much um and can you talk about hbcu basketball you know it's kind of brought into the forefront last year you know with with howard you know McCurmaker maker uh ending up out there i probably butchered his name i'm sorry but uh you know him coming out there you know was was really big as far as flashing a spotlight um on hbcu basketball and you know mikey mikey williams you know talking about how you know he would consider you know going to an hbcu um, talk about that level, um, you know, the level of play, the level of coaching and, you know, some of the things that that kind of need to change to to kind of bring them more into the fold.
1: Yeah, I saw that clip and it was, it was BS. Uh, no, I mean, actually, GW has done a good job of scheduling a lot of local HBCUs, even Bowie State Exhibition. You know, they play Morgan State, they play University of Maryland, like they play. A lot of HBCUs like early season in their non conference schedule. So you get a chance to see them. And each game, there's always a guy on the team that come here and and serves UW. You know what I mean? You know, they're deemed to be in the A 10, which is they're deemed to be in a more uh, competitive conference than the MEAC or whatever you have. But it's definitely talent there. You know, it's just, you know, underrated talent, but they don't have the resources to develop their talent like a blue blood. You see what I'm saying? And that's the. That's the thing that's kind of frustrating, because why not? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just, uh, why aren't the shoe, shoe companies investing more funds into those schools like they do other schools? You know what I mean? Why, are, why aren't they getting the same type of funds from, like, TV networks wherever they are locally? facilities, uh, all
0: that. Yeah. yeah,
1: it all plays a part, man. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I saw the uh, the documentary LaBelle Moton did uh, on ESPN, and they had to take a, a, a game to get the money just to renovate the locker. Whereas Blue Blood don't have that problem. Anything they need to get fixed, just write the check and keep it moving. Yes sir. I get alumni and booze is different, but we all know really what's the underlying thing and it's, it's the racial part of it. It, it. It's not even, they can make up all the things that they want. It's the, the racial divide that plays our society in general. That's really the main reason because think about it, these are Black coaches that put in work, like Lavelle Mullen put in work as a player. He's respected. I mean, he had Chris Paul come down there and talk to the team. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what if, they, what if they had the resources, uh, like I said, the Blue Bloods, to, to even a playing field? Mm-hmm. And these talented five-star players may not go to those schools anymore. They might go to somebody like them. Yes, and that's the fear. And if they do that, you know, we all know what that leads to. So... Mm-hmm. um to me, that's, that's really at the bottom of it. And yeah, I saw that video, I, I, you reminded me, I did see that video about the HBCUs. Uh, it was SBS time out they didn't reach out and network. Your job as a search firm is to find uh, the highest quality of coaches you can. Yeah, And then, why should, I mean, no one else of any ethnicity or whatever has to find you, Have to do the networking deal. Uh, the resume should speak for itself. They have success with limited resources not getting the same caliber of players, the four-star, five-stars, whatnot, and they're still winning
0: the games and getting to the tournament, in spite of that, what does that say? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna pile on her a little bit because she mentioned something about, oh, am I supposed to Google teams? I'm like, you're a search firm. Yes, <laughs> I guess you're supposed to. Um, I really wanted to to bring to the light, I forget what, I think it was last summer, uh, Coach Christian at GW was mentioning how he, he wanted to put together a tournament um you know where we're black coaches you know bring in and play against each other i i want to take it a step further and i feel like some of these blue bloods like unc and duke are really like, we're not playing our game until you televise nccu and you know norfolk state or something like that um i really think that there should be you know they got the big 10 you know acc challenge and all that stuff i, I mean there's no reason why we can't have you know something similar with hbcus and, you know, people are talking like it's it's just weird because the way that the public treats them and the way that the search firms kind of approach them, like if it, it feels like they're a tier below mid majors and low majors and you know when when in reality, you know they're they're at least at the mid major level. Um, you know, some of them, you know, are, are at the high major as far as you know the basketball is being played there so um, you know I really think that there should be some sort of um, there needs to be some sort of unity as far as those coaches looking out for these dudes and, you know, flexing their, like, you can't, you can't tell me that Calipari, you know, can't make that happen. You know, you can't tell me that coach K, you know, uh, Jim Beheim you know, these dudes, you know, aren't able, they don't have enough pull to make that happen. You know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to to rant about that real quick for a second. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about, um, You know, your social medias have have a very wise, you know, kind of OG vibe. Uh, (laughs) You probably have mixed feelings about me saying that. But, uh, you know, talk about, you know, some of the things that you think kids need to hear more uh, of, you know, either from their peers or from, you know, the the people kind of whispering in their ear. The truth. (laughs) It goes back to what I was saying earlier. The truth.
1: Um, That's something that we got growing up all the time, and it wasn't nothing personal. It was just like, cool. at least you honest, you real with me, and that's what it really comes down to. You you respect someone that's real with you, even though it may, it may not be something you want to hear at the time. You know, I like those type, you know, I like those type of people you know, around me because they're going to keep me on point, you know what I mean? Don't, and, and honestly, man, I'm just, I'm not with the fake stuff, you know, I, that's just me. I'm not with the fake vibe and fake stuff the man, look, man, A lot of people just insecure, man. Don't lie to me and say I can play at Duke. You know what I mean? But I wasn't even really starting on my AU team or my high school team. Like, Duke don't look at those players. Duke get the elite of the elite. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to be realistic. And that's why you see so many transfers because so many people lying. Mm -hmm. You know, they're lying, saying you should be starting doing all this. And when you get to college, it's not like that. Uh, That adjustment is real. You know, you get you at the bottom and you got to prove that you belong you got to prove that you deserve to play and get minutes. And as a freshman, uh, the, the coach is looking at you like, you know, show me a reason why I shouldn't pay you any mind. They're focused on their upperclassmen who know what to do already. You see what I'm saying? You know, That's just what that is. And um, I feel like it's a lot of people teaching these kids and guiding these kids who never experienced that. And they're not saying you got to have played college basketball, been an NBA player and all that, that's insecurity to me. You can have knowledge of the game and be able to teach a player and not really have played the game. Like there's um, it's plenty of coaches that have that has done that, but at the same time you gotta be honest and you have to and to get that knowledge of the game, you gotta be humble enough to learn it from other people who have given it, who who have went through those trenches and can teach you. You see what I'm saying? So you know exactly what to teach these kids. That's why I feel like the transfer report is outrageous. And now you see it on, a, on a, uh, the girl side. It used to just be on the fella side. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's all based off of a bunch of lying and entitlement and uh, people paint a false narrative, a false picture of how things supposed to go. And then you send these kids up the field because a lot of these kids not gonna be pros. Mm-hmm. So what's gonna happen when they get into the real world and have to get a job? And they all like what they hear. Now you got bills and stuff. So yeah, you can walk out the job, but what's gonna happen with your bills? Now you're going to be homeless and you're in, a, you're in a, a bad situation. So my thing is you have to, you have to just be honest, man. We got to get back to that. You know, I don't know. I, I'm i not sure when the shift happened where it, it got to a point where pleasing the youngest was the priority instead of guiding them, promoting them to be uh, adults that can stand on their own and be quality adults. I, I feel like it's the 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 roles, I feel like the values have been just so switched up I and mean, social media has a lot to play with. that. I was about to say social media has yeah, a lot. It's really I, I, to me it's all from insecurity because think about it, if you're secure and you don't need validation yeah. you know why are you you, you wouldn't even run with the lies and you wouldn't feel the need to lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just it, it, you just move and do, <laughs> what you, do what you need to do. Um, That's not the case and social media is just putting a spotlight on a bunch of insecure people so other insecure people feel the need to keep up. You know what I mean. So they they embrace the lies and the BS and, until it really becomes a reality that
0: uh, this is not going to work. And sometimes, and most of the time, it's too late when that happens. Let's talk about you know social media because you know you've been you know around and covering basketball you know since you know since it's gotten hot, I guess so to say, so to speak. So this generation of athlete is more conscious of their platform. They're more you know, savvy with how they use social media. Um, they understand when people are using them for clout or for, for views or for clicks or for um, anything. And I feel like they're more apt to be able to handle the distractions that, that come off the court. Um, you know, why is that? What goes into that? And, you know, what do you think that, you know, parents and coaches need to do more um, with them off the court to make sure that they're kind of staying on, you know, the the, the right path? Stand on the right path
1: as far as social media was or just in general uh both uh i'm, not, I'm all i'm not against it. things change you know time change. like when i went to college facebook just emerged yeah and, I, and at that time only college kids can get know only us in college could get on you know what i'm saying and they, and then they eventually let everybody get there so it changes you know what i mean just be responsible on it watch what you post on it because it definitely can hurt you with recruiting uh especially now with the transfer portal, there's less room for error now than ever before. Like, you know, a coach can be really being interested in you. You have no idea. He get on there and see you posted some nonsense. You x off the list and you didn't even know you was even on the list. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that. Um, you know, I, obviously with NCAA ruling where, you know, endorsing deals, you know, saying that coming into play, you know, social media is going to be needed more than ever because for you to endorse a product and get some money out of it, you gonna need that. I just think just being responsible, man. Don't be putting reckless stuff on there. Uh, <laughs> just like anything else, just be just be responsible. Be careful what you put on there and uh, what you promote. You see what I'm saying? Uh, it, it, it and it starts at home, like you said. It starts with the parents. They should be checking too. Like man, what you got? You know, you, obviously they're young adults, they're in college. You don't want to them too much, but still, be like, do you think it's wise to, you know, post you at this party with the red cup? You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah, you know I mean do you think that's wise? You see what I'm saying? Just put that out there yeah. and then they got a decision to make. You see what I'm saying? So I think just, like I said, just, just sit them down really talking to them as young adults and just telling them the, the pros and cons of whatever they're doing will help them navigate all that social media and decision-making better.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Like two more questions, then we're going to get some, uh, some quick hitters in, and then we'll get out of here. Um, let's talk about, you know, Kevin Durant's quote the other night, you know, it really hit home with me. He said, we're not circus animals, (laughs) you know, like all all this stuff that's going down. um, You know, Russell Westbrook has said it several times, you know, if you saw me in public, you would not be talking, you know, all the talk that you have, because there's no security guards between me and you in public. Um, If you're the league, you know, what's, what's the resolution for this? And I'll say first, you know, I really hate, that they say banned indefinitely or, you know, this stuff like that. It's like, why are we even leaving this open? You know, you have to understand that that your actions have consequences. And so if people see, oh, well, I'm just going to spend a night in jail and it's going to be, you know, a couple hundred bucks, fine. But, you know, I'm going to be famous from this, you know, they get their 15 seconds of fame, you know, how can the, the NBA handle that? You know, cause it, it should not be put on the players to, to, you know, hold back in my opinion. Some
1: of the people that that did it, from what I'm hearing, have connections to the organization, meaning their parent or somebody uh, is tied to it and or really? invest money. Yeah, so sometimes cool. it's deeper than you know, just a fan. It's no different than when um, what was that? A couple of years ago, the Raptors played the Warriors in the finals, and the the minority owner was drunk and pushed Kyle Lowry. Oh yeah. And they suspended, but then he came back. You see what I'm saying? It's just. Um, the NBA just got better, do a better job just putting their foot down. Like, if you violate, you get at these places way, not only are you done, it's like you're going to jail. Yeah. And you're going to get fine. It has to be that where they feel it and that'll make them think twice. You see what I'm saying? So, and when I mean man, I mean done, I mean not just at that arena, like any NBA related event, yeah. whatever. Because, like Scott Brooks was saying after the game, he said, yeah, you can ban her from this arena, but what's stopping her from? growing a beard, putting on a hat, changing his identity and buying and still buying a ticket to get in the game. You, know, you, you how are you going to monitor that? You see what I'm saying? So you have to really make an example out, out of people and really go deep. You know what I'm saying? They got they, they can do it. They got the resources in these pro leagues. They can hire, uh, you know, uh, people to do background searches and stuff like that to really follow you and find out your information to really Make sure you cannot get back in these arenas and be around these players, cause you're right. It was just disrespectful, and we all know what he was doing. it. They was doing it for clout, just to get a little 15 seconds. In. And they got what they wanted. They all over social media and everything, man, lying to their friends. Man, I don't know why Russell was, but he was mad. I was just playing, and you know all that. But it's, it's, it's going. But then on the other side of it, if around our test situation happened, and they they get up and beat them down, yeah. now it's a big lawsuit. They crying victim, and. Yeah. You know, the NBA play, it's like they can't win. So the NBA definitely has to go to the extreme to stop this. So now fans would think twice about doing it. Just like the uh, the food at the Wizards game against Philly down here in D.C. that literally ran from the stands and ran on court. And acted like he was trying, I guess, grabbed the rim. He didn't get close, yeah. you know, just to show off in the middle of a playoff game, a, a, a ball game. It's like you can't make this stuff up, man. It's just, you know, you know it, it's just ridiculous, man. So you got to make an example.
0: It kind of went, when Kevin Durant said what he said, it made me think of Space Jam. And, you know, when the the bad guy was talking about more on mountain, and it just showed like Michael Jordan and chains kind of playing basketball in front of people. And it just, it, that's kind of what it felt like. And that it's not a good feeling for me. All right, uh, last kind of question um, is, uh, so <laughs> this was a little close to home. So, you know, I was on staff with the math under, under Coach Jones the last three years. He gave me my start in this profession. Um, with Virginia Tech hiring him, um, do you see this being a trend going forward? Of you know these very successful high school coaches that you know have deep connections in the area and are great teachers of the game um, being hired by by college coaches? I think it should have been happening a while ago. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that it's, that it's taken so long. But kind of talk about that.
1: Yeah, I can see it going that way. I think they just hired uh, I forget his name, man. Great coach out of Delaware. Um, they just hired him um, to be the head coach, I believe, to, at Delaware State. So, you know, I can hit, I can see it going that way because of the, they have ties to the high school level because of the transfer portal. The coaches that are already there are so focused now on the transfer portal. Game, you know what I'm saying? Get players that's already established in college. Yeah. It's kind of hard for them to – not not hard. It's just not a priority no, for them no more to just really look at high school like that. Unless you're just an elite kid and you see what I'm saying? It's just, I mean, think about it. Why, why settle, no disrespect, why settle for somebody I'm going to have to groom where I can get somebody that's already groomed, mm-hmm. you know, so I can put them in place and they can go like that. So it makes sense. And obviously, you know, Mike is one of the, the best high school coaches in, in the country. So that's a no-brainer. You know, I, I always thought he could have left years ago if he wanted to. He just, you know, it wasn't time. Uh, who knows for his reason? I'm not. That ain't none of my business. You know what I'm saying? Uh, wishing well, but yeah, it's a great hire. Virginia Tech. It gives you the leg up on you know top projects especially not just coaching at the Martha, but being with USA Basketball. Uh, you know the under, you know whatever seventeen under sixteen under teams. You know the U teams. Uh, you you got a leg up on what's coming down the pipeline what what to come. Um, I heard uh, uh, was not the air tap Scott or what I heard him say on a podcast recently. He said. It's down the line where it's gonna get interesting. Where you know he's more; those type of coaches are more removed from the high school ranks and more players again. Then, then what you know what I'm saying; those relationships. But still, uh, he knows the game. He knows what he's doing. Uh, great hire, and uh, you know that that's a big boost for Virginia Tech for sure. But yeah, I could definitely see it happening. Um, you know, definitely, and especially if the money
0: right. You know, what I'm saying that definitely play a role. Yeah. <laughs> You ain't leaving these positions. for <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think money is ever going to be a problem for him. I, mean, I don't think it was to begin with. But, um, yeah, I just – I think it's interesting. Um, I think it's a lot more effective, you know, when, when he's as established as he was. One thing that I thought that has kind of flown under the radar quite a bit, he said in a podcast interview he was saying that, you know, the difference this time was when the, the Virginia Tech coach, uh, Mike Young, approached him – it wasn't from, you know, you're going to be my guy, you know, with recruiting. I need you to get guys. He's like, I want to groom you to be a college head coach. I want to bring you into meetings with alumni boosters, you know, all that. I want to bring you in on and, you know, teach you about budgeting and all this stuff with with, with running that, all the stuff that a head coach is going to do. And he said, like, that was the biggest you know, factor that kind of flipped him and made him start to think about this. Because people are talking about, you know, they, this has been in the, in the, has been plans for months. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, a a big, big long plan thing. You know, if, if Kentucky hadn't hired away, Illinois you know, top assistants, and then, you know, Jester Frazier wasn't hired away from Virginia tech, this never would have happened at least in the way that it did. So. Um, let me get you some hit, uh, quick hitters real quick, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. So uh, invite three basketball minds to a dinner to chop it up with. Oh, uh, current,
1: alive, passed away. And Eddie. It, don't matter. Ooh. it doesn't matter. Uh, Bill Russell. Uh, that's tough. Ah, my man, he'll be burned. The best commentator in the game. You uh, <laughs> uh, said basketball minds. That's tough.
0: It could be a player, too.
1: You know, oh, a you know, player. If you want to hear a player, coach, GM. If I, if, you know, if he was here, you know, red back, I would love to sit down with red outback, uh, Hubie Brown, and um and Bill Russell because I know they going to shoot it straight and <laughs> they know what the hell they're talking about. They done seen it. They literally done seen it all. So
0: Yeah, and they all yeah. were around for, for a while, too. Um, let's kind of narrow that a bit more. So if you could pick one basketball player, executive or coach's brain, who would it be and what would you ask them about You know, specifically? Would it be, you know, Bill Russell and rebounding? Would it be, you know, Auerbach and, you know, transit, you know, transactions or, you know, evaluating? What would that be?
1: Pick up basketball. I'll probably sit down with... Um, I probably sit down with Jerry West. Mm. Uh because he's been successful at all mm. levels as a player, front office, scouting what I'm doing now. Like he 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 can give me game on everything. Mm. So I'll come out a lot sharper than most.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I like that answer. All right. Uh I'm not gonna make this one complicated at all by adding any qualifiers. Uh MJ or LeBron. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Come on, man! It's the reason why they keep comparing everybody to him. Come on,
0: that's a. <laughs> come on, man. Hey, man! It's it's good to hear. It. It's good to hear. It. I'm I'm in that same camp too. Uh, what book is a must read for every basketball coach? Oh, basketball coach! Ooh. I think I
1: might have it right here. Actually, let me see. I'll, I'll
0: promote it. There you go. Interesting. Okay. Off the snag that, let me tell you a story by Red Auerbach, and that was John Feinstein.
1: Yep. Uh, a lot of great stories, including including a lot of you know stories with Dematha. You know him and Morgan Wood was tight. Yeah. A lot of people don't know Red Auerbach went to GW. You know, yeah. what I'm saying actually his coach is the one that put him on the Bill Russell. So, mm. um, you know, he was a basketball genius. He was way before time. It's it's, it's a reason why the Celtics won all those championships. Yeah. Even when he saw me in the coach, he was more behind the scenes or whatnot. Uh, even before he died, <laughs> uh, he the one that kind of convinced Danny Ainge and all them to pull the trade to get KG and all them together because they was on like, "Should we do it?" He's like, "What are you crazy?" <laughs> passed away. Like, come on, man, you don't let nothing like that go. So, but he he's so smart. But if you read the book and how he talk about it, he put it in so simple terms. It's like, it's like, yo, tell your shoot man before you trip. It's like simple. And that's why I know a lot of people make basketball more complicated than what it is because he kept it so simple. Yeah. And obviously, his success went went over. We went through eras. It's not even just a period of time. Yeah. All the way from the '50s to when KG and them came to the Celtics and won the LA, he still had a hand in that. So,
0: uh, yeah, for sure. I like that. I like that. I'll definitely have to cop that as soon as we get off here. All right. Would you rather take a charge from Shaq or try to guard KD with the game on the line? <laughs> I'm going to cage you. <laughs> Forget
1: that. Uh, no, that, that That's that's hazardous for your health.
0: There we go. I, I still think that uh not enough people give uh, Marek Dolajai Syracuse props for being the only person I've ever seen to take a take a charge on Zion. That was crazy. He he, he caught him with a spin move with his shoulder in the paint, too. That was tough. All right. Uh, what's the best dynasty? In, in basketball to you, in, in history?
1: Definitely going with the 90s Bulls.
0: Um, not
1: just because of the camaraderie, not just because they got to the go, their defense. You know, I think their defense is what won in those championships a lot because they had cold moments, they had cold spells and stuff like that, but they were, when they couldn't hit, fine. Y'all not scoring either. So you're going to beat shot one way or another. And I think, man, they were so dedicated to winning and being on one page to get the job done. Mm. You know, they're the only dynasty that never lost.
0: Yep, 6 to oh. 0. Where is where does Kobe rank for you? Is is he top 10 all time? Yeah, top 10. Yeah, okay. Uh underrated Twitter follow. Uh
1: Like Mike Procopio, he used to be the player development coach for the Mavericks. Yes, sir. Uh, he does a podcast with Andrew Bogut. Um, doing, when I said I learned how to be a scout. What's that we, called? Uh, what? Oh, uh, Robos, the podcast, Robos. I'll look it up right now. Okay. Uh, when I was doing the scout thing, uh, you had the chance to chop up game with him. Cool. He's a sharp guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me see, work with Kobe. He, he started when, um, with Tim Grover way back in the day. Uh, he was like the guy that put together the the skill development part for pre-draft workouts and stuff like going all the way back. He was talking about the Kwame Brown, how Kwame Brown looked, how he was, how he, easy he was to be coached. So yeah, uh, he been around around the game a lot. Uh, yeah, here we go. In road, you
0: probably can't see road bows. Yeah. Robos. okay. Yeah, yeah I'll so. check that out. Um, what's a great podcast or YouTube series about basketball that you've been? Uh, looking into i mean you kind of just said one so we, <laughs> you, you can use that one if you want
1: uh youtube series the one i really like is the knuckleheads uh quinn reggie Darius smiles mm. i like how they talk real basketball with legends on the men's and women's side yeah but they don't get too controversial with it you know what i mean man they don't disrespect but they do keep it authentic and, and you can do it like that that's, i love what they're doing uh, that's my favorite like i guess youtube series and um uh, basketball podcast. I you know Robos is one of them. Yep. Uh, actually one that's kind of local that I don't think a lot of people hit to is uh what is is the the DC coaches basketball is like Gary Williams, Ed Tapscott, uh Pat Soles. Yep. There's a whole lot of old school coaches that have been around the block and then some and they, they get a lot of great guests on there, current coaches, high school coaches, know, uh, former players, they come on and talk yep. and they talk real basketball. And uh, it, it's what you expect, man. Like, like when Gary Williams speak, you have an idea how Gary Williams is, that's how you're going to talk about it. You know what I mean? How he was as a coach, and that's how you would talk about it. So, man, it, you know, those are my talk to. I love when they come out.
0: Listen, man, as a UNC fan, I'm still upset that Maryland left the ACC because they, <laughs> it didn't matter how bad of a year they were having. They would always find a way to beat Duke, and it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what why was, I love them, too. <laughs> so uh this moment kind of happened for me i worked jay Billis' skills academy um in, in their coaching development program and i was it was literal like a, a whiteboard moment kind of he was drawing something up with um Lincoln on his name he's an assistant coach at unc now he played there back in the day Uh white dude lefty he's a shooter um
1: assistant coach at north carolina chapel hill
0: yeah, uh, he used to be the, the coach at East Carolina a couple of years ago. Um, I'll, I'll come up with it later. Anyways, what, what was the first time that you were in a room when you realized that, that you don't know anything about basketball or that, you know, what your knowledge is, is capped and lower than the room that you're in? Um.
1: Well, high school, uh, Dodson got me in a five-star camp.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I've been to camps locally, but you know, and I didn't even, like, this one what I'm saying, I don't even come from a basketball fan, so he said five-star, it sounded like basketball and phonics, if that makes sense. I'm like, yo, you trying to disrespect me, man? Like, dude, just stop playing with me. Like, I'm not going to, but he's like, stupid. So, he showed me the brochure, and I saw Hall of was on it. I'm like, oh, okay. And I thought I knew basketball, but no, not, not like the drills, the stations constantly, and and, and the fundamentals, man. Like, and then the coaching, the way they drilled you and stuff. It was college level early. And um, that's when I knew I had a lot of work to do mm. um, to get where I wanted to go, which is to be a college basketball player. And um, they made me do a box out drill against a 6'11 dude. Now, keep in mind at the time, I'm 5'11, buck 60. And I'm like, and I'm throwing my body. Remember, obviously, he just moving me off like easy, getting the ball. And they like, dude, your technique is not. I'm like, I'm getting a body. on what are you talking about? And coach, I forgot the coach name. He's like, look, this is how you do it. And he was an older guy at the time. And so the 6'11 dude tried. He couldn't get around. He said, this is all you got to do. Just box him, in, use your arms, stay low. And that's where I learned, that's why I teach you guys. Your base, low man wins. Yeah. And I learned right then and there. even though I was much smaller than him, skinnier than him, like he was twice my size. Once I saw that, I was like, all right. So basically my advantage took his advantage away because I'm young. I mean, I'm smaller than him. I got on his legs. He couldn't get around me no more And I got the basketball. And it's little details like that that if you're not taught that or play the game long enough to get that, you don't even understand. So if you're just a normal fan looking at TV, you just like, why didn't he get the rebound? It doesn't make sense. His technique was off. You, you see what I'm saying? So – Stuff like that, five-star was the rude awakening. And then in the games, it was my first time against national competition. And that's where I always talk about uh, Raymond Felton before he blew up. You know, he, he kicked my butt. He kicked my ass. You know what I mean? And and I needed that. Because going into that, my father was like, you need to get stronger. You need to do push-ups. You need to start. And I'm like, man, AI don't lift. You know what I'm saying? Young boy stuff. Man, yeah, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? And then. Not knowing I ran up against somebody who was better than me every way. Skill-wise, understanding the game, physically bigger strong. He was an all-state football player. Yep. So I couldn't even match his strength, athletic, everything. You see what I'm saying? So that butt kicking taught me like, oh man. And this was for the youngest that may see this, it's not like today where you can get on YouTube and see who the player is. This was a time where you might hear about him, but you have no clue how he play until you meet him. Cause it wasn't no it wasn't social media, it wasn't nothing. So you need to read it in the magazine, or you just didn't know. Yeah. So I was kind of the first one that got hit to, yo, this dude, Raymond Fell, nice. Yeah. And I always say when I came back and I said, he was like, who's was good then? I'm like, yo it was the dude, Raymond Fo, like. and they And my boys in my neighborhood clown, they like, how you get killed by a country boy? And I'm like, nah, he nice. Like, I'm trying to tell you, he's he nice. <laughs> nah, man, they, you won a
0: national championship, so
1: you're all right. <laughs> yeah, but, but then he gave the math the numbers and beat the math. Yeah. Later that year, that next high school year, then they was like, all right, my bad. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Got you. Uh, what what coaches do you study? Man, coaches.
1: I like uh I like Jenkins at um, Memphis. Um, LaBelle Moulton is one. Um. Sounds like you love the Mystics coach too. Tabal, to Yeah, you mean, yeah great. He yeah, he he. a basketball genius. A lot of people don't know his history. Um, he drafted Jordan. Yeah. Uh, he was with the Bulls. He was with the Lakers early. Uh, they won the championship when Magic first got there. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was assistant with George Carl, with the Milwaukee Bucks when they was uh, Ray Allen, Big Dog, Tim Thomas, Sam Cassell. Okay. Uh, when they was battling AI and all those guys in the playoffs, he was assistant on that team. Like he's another one. He he's not just a sharp essence and nose mind, but he knows how to evaluate talent. Yeah. You know what I mean. And so um, yeah, he's one of my favorite interviews. Like I love talking game with him, man. You know, he, he knows it all. And actually, if you if you kind of look at that monumental umbrella, wizards, mystics, all that baseball was, he might, he might have the best traditional, best resume out of everybody. Mm. Everybody in the building. Mm. And he 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 wasn't like a top player coming up. You see what I'm saying? So that's what goes back to my early example. If you got it up here, you can still teach it at a high level. Uh, he's definitely one of them. Um, it's, it's a lot of coaches, man, but those three definitely stick out. Two more. Uh, what's the hardest
0: shot in basketball?
1: It depends on the player. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, a half-court three for Steph is not so difficult, you know what I'm saying? But
0: it will be for a lot of guards, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I hate short-corner layup attempts in in the fast break. I hate that. I hate that shot.
1: Situation. The worst shot uh, to me, man, covering the league, man. Uh, the worst shot is a shot that you know you shouldn't even be taking. You know, you, you're not efficient at. That's the worst shot to me. <laughs> but you shooting it because you see everybody else do it. Like, I really despise. Oh, here you go. Analytics. Three point shooters shooting three. People shooting threes that have no business making threes. I mean, they, they can't make threes. They're not efficient at that shot, but they still get about 10 threes a game. Yeah. You just get, you just, it's as good as a turnover. So, that's a shot I hate.
0: Uh, last question I got for you. Um, at least in the transfer portal, and say for sure in the transfer portal, GW has out-recruited all, if not most, of the local schools. Um, what's kind of the special sauce that, that Coach Christian has?
1: Well, you already had ties because he was at one St. Mary's before. So, yeah. He already had to local ties. Um, mean, he cool with AU he coaches. He, he's, a, he's a native. Um, you know, very personal guy, easy to like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know he's had a rough couple years because of the transfer thing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gotta kind of figure that out. But um, his system, he lets you rock. You know, you see how James Bishop got off last year. Ricky Lindo came in half a year. Double doubles, blocking shots. He 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 kind of puts a system in where it caters to your game. You know, what I'm yeah. saying you don't have to fit your game into his system. It's a system where if you prove that you can do certain things, he adjusts to your game. And I think that's why a lot of players like him.
0: Yep, yep. All right. Um. So at the end, I always give. Uh, well, let's let's do one thing real quick. So talk about the Pro Series open run and kind of you know just just give the public kind of what, what what's going on there.
1: Well, it starts tomorrow. I just wanted to create an open run where guys in college, select high school guys that's ready, that can play kind of at a grown man level and pros, they can come back and have a place to play in between the seasons before they go to summer league or AU, go back to school, start training, or they get ready to gear up to go back overseas. They got a place where in between seasons, they can go and test what they've been working on since the last season ended. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm and get quality safe runs. And what I mean by safe, you're not playing against somebody in LA Fitness that that's envious because your current player may try to take you out, you know, especially this day and age. And you kind of get away from the cloud chasing where it's real basketball. Like the only people that would know what happened in that gym is who's gonna be in the gym. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you could focus on just getting better and working on your stuff, but you're being tested. And that can give you a head start on whenever you go Go back across the water, go to your college campus to get ready for summer, um, you know, the summer work yeah. and uh, high school kids to get ready for AU or, you know, summer league that's about to go down at the math and stuff like that.
0: Yep. No,
1: no balls, live cameras in there, then? Nah, I mean, a couple kids got somebody following them. I let them in, but no, yeah. it's strictly for coaches. And like I said, my whole mission is to get kids signed. And that's why I started the magazine in the first place. So. As long as kids are getting opportunities. I'm gonna keep
0: doing it. Fantastic. All right. So at the end of every show, I always give the guests an opportunity to to hit me with one question. So what you got for me?
1: How was it like coaching
0: under Mike Jones? It was I, I got to do a lot of different things. Um, you know, I got to do you know, my main my main role was was doing video. So so doing video production, also coaching the freshman team, you know, working summer league uh doing a bit of of evaluating at at middle school events and and AU events and stuff like that um I think that the takeaway I'm going to learn the most you know that that I learned from him rather is um he really trusts the guys underneath him and when he delegates you know a task to you he trusts that you're going to get it done and he's not micromanaging you know over your shoulder um and you know he runs the math like a like a college program i mean as far as you know this is your role and this is your role and you want to get better at this so you know i'm gonna pair you with this assistant coach that really has that down and you know the way that that he demands respect you know from his players and he demands you know their their full focus and, and attention and practice um and they're they're locked in but they're not robotic you know we we still have fun with the kids but um, just very business-like in their approach. And I've talked to several different kids, you know, that play D1, D2 when they come back during the summer, you know, in the open runs. And they're like, bro, like we do – we did more scouting at the matha, We did more video. We did more prep, you know, for games than I do in college. And some of that's coming from D1 dudes. So, I mean, just, you know, the, uh, the, the, the level that he was able to coach the, the kids at and just the example that he set for them. Is definitely something I'm gonna take away.
1: Yeah, he we had him on the show. And um we had we I forgot who was that kind of came up and he said yeah, um he gets a lot of compliments from a lot of coaches. You know, he said like Juwan about Hunter, uh, uh Larry Nager, you know, at the time where Earl Earl's he he's like they advanced, like they ready to play college basketball. Yeah. And uh, you know, that that's the testament to him. Like he he's always been a guy that I respected from afar. Because think about it, man, following Morgan Wooten, t- that's tough. I mean, that, that, a lot of people would have broke. You know, that ain't that. You know, you, you're you literally following a goat. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you make it, and I like the fact that he was successful and, and did it his way. You know what I mean? He didn't just try to follow the path that Morgan did. You know, he kept the standard of the math, the standard of the math. And he he, he added a twist to it. And he's, he's always embraced me, man. He showed love and respect to me. So... As always respect for my Jones.
0: Yeah, and I really like too, I think his his confidence, you know, he's 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 a very confident dude in pretty much everything he does. But I mean that definitely trickles down to his assistant coaches and also to the players, you know, especially the freshmen. Um you know always pulling them aside and, and kind of talking about how he believes in them. So you know definitely wish him well. All right man that's that's all I got for you. You know tell the people where they can find you on, on social media and uh, you know, any any other stuff, any any pieces you have coming out, any other events or anything like that to plug?
1: Uh, you can find Find Us Magazine at uh, findusmag.com. You can also catch me every Tuesday on The Focus um, at 8 p.m. Uh, we broadcast it live on our uh, IG and Facebook, but it airs weekly on DC TV every Friday at 10 p.m. and every Saturday at 4 p.m. Uh, it's a weekly show, sports show that kind of covers all sports. You know, obviously my main thing is basketball, but, you know, I touch on all other sports as well before the show. And uh, definitely we, uh, Mystic season, Wizards season, uh, where the Wizards just ended, but when they come back, uh, we do post-game show for our coverage, our uh Wizards and Mystics Outlook, uh, where we just kind of recap and break down what we just saw in the game, what's going on with the team. You can always find it there. Um, definitely uh, just just stay locked just stay locked in with that, you know what I'm saying. And um, I have another show I do kind of individually called All Around, you know. Where I kind of it's a mix of you know in-game interviews with players and coaches or whatnot, or you know I'm breaking down what I'm seeing at different events that I go to, like say uh, uh like last year the St. James the I-95, you know, Coalition did you know event. Uh, I was doing live uh, post-game recaps of players that stood out and stuff like that, or when tournament tournaments up in Barclays, I'll drop a show from there and I'll talk about what's going on with the conference tournaments or whatnot. So, yeah, uh, yeah we working, man. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, scouting for Jim Couch, I'm all over the place You're kind of year-round. Now that thing's about to open, about to be back on the grind. So, yeah, but, you know, if you want to know what I'm up to, definitely follow Finders Magazine. Cool. Appreciate
0: the time, brother. Take care and keep giving us that, that great coverage. All right, man, appreciate it.